Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to an all-new episode of Full Court Press. Yes, I know, we've been away for about a week and a half, but look, it's been a crazy, crazy time in the basketball world, and this week, we're giving you two brand spanking new, thought-filled, thought-provoking, all that exciting jazz episodes of Full Court Press. But today, today... We have a special, special guest. But before I get to that guest, let's introduce our co-host. As you know, it's the Mad Prince himself, Abraham. I'm joined here by the man of behind Full Court Press, Jabari. And of course, you know, he, he's off his 10-day contract. We made some room for him. Uh, we discussed some possible trades. No fish were biting, unfortunately, but... We have retained Osahan on the on the uh, ten day. He's just reoccurring ten day contract guy. That being said, how are you? Stop it! It's not there? a reoccurring te- reoccurring ten day contract. I am signed for the rest of the season. I told you if you act right, you can have my bird rights after the All Star break. But at this point in the I game, I don't know. About I'm that. feeling good to be a contributing member of this team. Uh, you know, I know New York had Lynn Sanity at one point. We gonna have O Sanity <laughs> at some point because. <laughs> I'm going to take this team to the next level. All right. Barry, how are you doing today? Doing great. I can't complain. <laughs> Osa is definitely signed for the rest of the season. So I think we need to stop talking about this 10-day contract stuff. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, basically, that was my warning from the head honcho himself that if I continue, I might see my own contract terminated. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. Um, we'll see how that long that lasts because, as you all know, I am the editor. So we'll see if uh, – <laughs> If I if I wear many hats, I cooperated. Yeah, I'm a man of many hats. But that being said, let's get to our special guest today. First of all, big shout out to Jordan Robinson, uh, one of the hosts behind Cover Zero for for linking us. But today we're joined. You know, you don't mind if I hype you up, right? You don't mind if I hype you up. Okay. So yeah, sure. If you get good luck doing that, though. Oh, good. That, you know what? You know what? All right. This is the first time I've ever hyped anybody up anyway like this. So let's let's see what I can get done. Hailing all the way from New York, but currently residing in the PNW, working for the Portland Trailblazers is the man, the myth, the absolute radio play-by-play announcer legend, 18 years in the game. Well, at least with the Trailblazers, we got Mr. Travis Demers. Did I say your last name right? Close enough, Demers. But I Demers. get I get Demers, Demers. I've had I've had some some different pronunciations over the years. But hey, you you did a good job being my hate man. I appreciate that. There we go. There we go. Well, welcome to Four Court Press. It's good to have you. Appreciate you for coming through. Really do, really do. How are you doing? Yeah, today? thanks for having me, guys. I'm good. I'm hanging out in my hotel room in Memphis. Uh, coming off a three-game win streak, one more game left before the All-Star break. So I'm good. I'm ready to roll. Will you be attending the All-Star game? No. First of all, there's not really anything I could do, right? You know, because mm-hmm. they have yeah. the national guys doing that. Second of all, no offense to uh, everybody in Cleveland. The weather <laughs> in Cleveland is not where I really want to be in February. And I'm going to take a week off and hang out with my wife and kids. So, uh, yeah, no, no All-Star game for me this year. Love clearly not as a employee since they they have the national guys cover. But ha- do you attend All Star Weekend? I have never been to All Star Weekend. I've been okay. to a handful of drafts, mm-hmm. um, but I've never been to All Star Weekend. Um, 
usually like that's that's a nice break, right? You know, the, the players that aren't in the All Star game, they're going to Cancun, they're going you know all over. Uh, it was funny. We got a, a memo from the league with the COVID protocols, like if you leave the country and what all the different countries that you could go to, uh, what the protocols were for that. So if you go to the Bahamas, you go to Dominican Republic, wherever you go, it was all warm weather, right? There was no like if you go Canada was on there, a lot of, you know, <laughs> Canadian players are going to go back home. But there wasn't like, OK, if you go to, uh, you know, somewhere cold, I don't know, you, you, you go to somewhere cold. None of that was on there. It was all like tropical places. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to worry about this. I'm just going back home to Portland to see my kids. Yeah, they knew the vibes. They knew the vibes. All right. Yeah. Well, Travis, um, for short, can you tell us how you got started in the in the NBA? Got started as a, not only as a play-by-play announcer, but you also are a, a radio host as well. Yeah, so it, it started. I went to college in New York, and I graduated in 2003 from Long Island University. And and I'm looking for radio jobs all over, man. And I was producing at ABC Sports Radio. And I, mean, I, was, I was applying to jobs I had no business getting, right? Like I applied for the Auburn radio job. You know, I applied probably 70, 80 jobs. And I got a job doing high school football and basketball uh, in Astoria, Oregon. And for people who don't know Astoria, if you've ever seen the Goonies or Kindergarten Cop, that's Astoria. And that's that's where my first radio job was for for 50 bucks a game. So I moved out to Oregon for that. And then I got started doing, uh, you know, show hosting. And I've been doing that for a long time, from one station to another. And uh, I've been doing play by play for all kinds of stuff. A lot of high school sports, minor league baseball, college stuff. And then uh, four years ago, the announcer for the Blazers, Brian Wheeler, had some health issues. They asked me to fill in. Uh, he couldn't continue, and so I got the job full time. And you know, play by play is what I've always wanted to do, right? So, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, when I was playing video games or you know, in the driveway, we would all do the you know, the three, two, ah, you know, and then oh, you missed the shot, so all of a sudden there's magically three seconds back on the clock, so you got to go retrieve the ball and do all that stuff. You know, we we all did that. Play by play is what I always wanted to do. So, you know, I've I've got the best job in the world. I, I say it all the time that you know my worst day on the job is better than the best day on the job I've had doing anything else we love it we love it so we're gonna just dive into it because I know there's a lot of people who who've been waiting for us to to drop some episodes especially given everything that's happened but for now we're gonna focus on Portland Portland made a flurry of moves this uh, trade deadline can you give us your overall um thoughts on on these moves and what they may possibly end up looking like for the for the future of the trailblazers this season and beyond yeah it's interesting because for the last couple of years like there was kind of a, a mix with how fans felt you know there were some fans like hey we just went to the western conference finals a couple of years ago we're a piece or two away from being a a championship caliber team and then there's the other fans that would look at it and say we've plateaued we know what we're going to get out of this team. We need to, to make some serious changes. And the name that had been popping up every year was CJ McCollum because he was the next best player on the team after Damian Lillard because he had the contract. Because and it's not a, a knock on him. CJ's a great player, but you've got to give up something to get something. And if you're not going to trade Dame, CJ was the next guy. And the thought of having you know two undersized guards who aren't elite defenders 
And then going out and bringing in Norman Powell, who is a two guard playing three, who's a very good defender, but he's out of position. And now, you know, your three best players are all guards who are six, four or under. And that's that's not you know terribly sustainable. So we knew change was going to come. It was just a matter of when. And then Damian Lillard's injury, knowing he was going to be out for a while, that made it um, that that kind of I don't want to say it forced the team to make changes. But they knew the expectations were going to be different this year. So Joe Cronin, the interim general manager, uh, he knew he had some work to do. And we had no idea what direction it was going to be because we heard all these rumors like, okay, CJ is going to get traded for Ben Simmons. You know, they're, they're going to trade him for this guy or that guy. They're going to get in the time machine and get you know, Michael Jordan from 1992. All this crazy stuff was going to happen for CJ McCollum. And you know, obviously that's, that's not what happened, right? So they made the decision to build around Dame and I don't know how much you watched Dame early in the year, but he didn't look like himself. There was a, a stretch after, so he, he had 10 days off and, and got some shots in his abdomen where he's been having those issues. And he started to look like the old Dame again. And it didn't last very long because that's not something that just shots are going to take care of, right? It's, it's rest, physical, mental rest, because that dude's been going, you know, between the Olympics last year and, and everything he does, he needed a, a mental break too. So I think when he comes back, he's going to look a whole lot like the old name. But where do you go from there? So to kind of do a, not a, uh, it's not a rebuild, right? A soft reload, relaunch, whatever you want to call it. You still have Dame sitting right there. You've got Anthony Simons, who is clearly the future of the backcourt of this team. And to now have options, because this team hasn't had options in forever, right? Potentially two first round picks this year a boatload of cap space between Dame, Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, three pieces that you can really build around. And it's been, it's been unfortunate that Nasir Little got hurt because he, he was the most fun player on the team to watch this year. He's, he's incredible. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is a free agent. And the fact that he wasn't traded makes a lot of people think that, you know, the, the idea is to bring him back. And then you've got all these other pieces now that, one way or another, individually, look like they can really help the team. Right? Josh Hart's been great so far. Justice Winslow on a very manageable contract who's never really gotten a chance in the NBA has been starting the last couple of games. And he's finally, now that he's healthy, is finally showing off the, the dude that we all thought he was <clears throat> going to be when he was coming out of Duke. And then what does the rest of the team look like? Do you hold on to those guys? How much cap space do you have? Do you have $20 million? Do you have $40 million? What does that all look like? And that, that's where the challenge comes in for Joe Cronin is this team so far, what we've seen has been fun and they're, they're gritty. Like when was the last time someone said that a trailblazers team was gritty? That's what they are right now. And it's, it's awesome to watch, but there's a lot of work to do in the off season. Absolutely. I feel that, especially as you mentioned, um, like justice Winslow, big Duke fan really felt like he would thrive at the NBA and it just never seemed to click. Um, honestly, <laughs> almost forgot that he was still in the league until I heard yeah. about the trade. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, knowing that, like you said, it's not a, it's not a rebuild. It's, it's more of just a soft reboot because you're yeah. still keeping that main piece and you're just adding to it. That main piece being Dame. Um, I'm really excited to see justice flourish and hopefully uh, it, it leads to to success for the Trailblazers. Um, and as you mentioned before, yeah, in the beginning, I think it was about the first 20 games. The fact that Dame was shooting about 8% from three, I mean, you, you could tell that there had to be something wrong because 
For yeah. me, I was wondering whether it was the rule change that uh, when it came to call, foul calls, because there was a lot of adjustment happening in the league. Some players were really struggling, and I was thinking like, oh, is this is this Dame? But then when uh, I learned that, oh, well, he was suffering injury even dating back to the Olympics, it made more sense. So absolutely, I, I truly agree with you. What is the general, like, feel in Portland right now with the CJ, with CJ now being gone? Because like you said, there's a, there's a spectrum of fans who were like, well, nope, we got to give something to get something. There was another spectrum who was like, nope, we got to keep the mama's boys together, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. what's the general feel? Because he's a beloved player. E- even me as a fan of the sport first before I'm a fan of my LA Lakers, like I like CJ a lot, even from a like fantasy basketball perspective. I picked that dude <laughs> up his rookie year. And so I've been following CJ ever since. What's the general feel in Portland now that he's out? It's funny because there were so many people that said we need to trade CJ. We need to trade CJ. And now a lot of those people are like, man, we traded CJ. It's like, well, you can't have it both ways, man. You know, you you either want him around or you don't. And CJ has been so consistent, right? Like, the, I don't know that there's a better mid-range shooter in the game. Maybe DeMar DeRozan, right? DeMar DeRozan and, and CJ, they're like the, the poster children of, like, money mid-range shooters. Um, and he's he's been a great three-point shooter, too. He's never been an all-star. And that's where it's like, okay, he's making 30 plus million dollars. He's never been an all-star him and Dame together. Like that's why there were so many rumors about Philly because he would fit in perfectly with the Sixers because they needed someone who can shoot. He's not, he's not a defense first guy. They've got enough defense first players. Someone like him could, could fit right in on the Blazers. There wasn't a lot of length. There wasn't a lot of defensive personnel. So it just highlighted shortcomings for, for the guys that, weren't great defenders so if he goes to a different team it's a totally different scenario new orleans has a lot of length got a ton of length especially when zion comes back too so he he's a different fit in new orleans but just on on a personal level i don't know if you guys read that that piece he put out in the the players tribune a few days ago after he got traded man like people got teary-eyed reading that um cj's been an important member of the community he used to come in because i work at iHeartRadio. he used to come in and do a show on our hip hop station every week. And he would come in and, you know, he wasn't CJ McCollum, NBA player. He was just, he was CJ. He was a dude. And that was, that was really cool. He was just a guy that, that people really liked. He was a different, he was a different kind of cat, man. He bought a, a vineyard in the Portland area, right? In, in Newburgh, which is, you know, maybe 35, 40 minutes Southwest of Portland. He bought a winery. And he's going to keep living there. And he just has a, a different, a different style and people really gravitated towards him. And while on the court, he was a great player and him and Dame had an incredible relationship. I've got this picture that I had blown up. It's on the, the wall of my office at home and it's in the bubble and it's, it's Dame and CJ doing a little, like uh, you know, a high five, like a low high five. And just to, I don't remember what game it was from, but you could see on their face together. They love playing together. And that's why I love that picture, because it's it just shows what Dame and CJ meant together. And, and those two players on the floor, they weren't about stats, right? They, If one of them was having a great night, they would defer to the other. Like if Dame was playing well, CJ would defer to Dame. If, if CJ was playing well, Dame would, would defer to CJ. And the relationship those guys had on the floor 
you could tell it was bigger than basketball for those two. So all of those things together, it's, it's disappointing to see him gone, man. He's top 10 in games played in franchise history, top five in scoring in franchise history. He's a guy that, that one way or another, he is always going to be a trailblazer. Inquiring minds want to know what's the name of that wine. Um, Cause we, we might have to buy a bottle or two. Oh man. I, he's he's going to kill me. I'm not, a, I'm not a wine drinker. Oh, My wife is. Okay. So, uh, I, I'd have to look up. I'm sure you could do a quick Google search. I, I should yeah. know this because I've had to read the promo for it a couple of times. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. There are a lot of wine drinkers. I'm like the only one of, of my friends who doesn't drink wine. I'm more of a, a bourbon guy. Um, oh, but, I like you yeah. even more. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's pretty pretty easy to find though. Okay, uh, right on. I'll check it sells out, out fast though. It sells out fast though. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, so it's the really same thing it. with uh, what's his name's tequila, LeBron's tequila, Lobos. <laughs> Um, yeah. Second thing, though, and this is just purely a comment, and then I know Jabari's got something. Watching CJ and Dame, I don't know if I've seen another guard combo, at least in my lifetime. I know I'm a little old. I'm older than I look. Um, but another guard combo who love playing together like that, probably since Isaiah and Joe Dumars. Like, they just yeah. complemented each other so well. I mean, you look at the league and the evolution of the league, at least since the, let's just say the 80s, and you'll pair a guard with a big, right? Or you'll pair a guard with a, you know, another wing, but not a like a legit backcourt duo like that. That was like, no, let's just go out here and let's go play and let's go win some games. So I, I think, I feel like that's probably the the death of like that last, you know, kind of combo that we'll see maybe for a yeah. while. Yeah, um, and Isaiah and, and Dumars, those guys were dogs, man. Those I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. mess with those guys, right? They no. were they were they were a, a, a guard combo that just very obviously very different style, right? In in those in those times, but those guys, I mean, they were they were physical. They like the whole bad boys image, right? You think of Bill Lambeer and some of those guys, but Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars, man, they they were just as much a part of that mentality as anybody else on that team was. Sad to see CJ go. Yeah. Before you go, Bart, I just want to share this moment because, Osan, you know I've preached this all the time. I always detested the trade CJ rumors because I felt that anytime Dame may have been off, or like you said, when CJ was hot and Dame would defer, CJ came in clutch. Like you said, he's been, he's, yep. he's Mr. Consistent, especially from the mid range, solid three point shooters, just like, why break that up? But you bring up, you brought up valid points, you know, undersized, where they're not defense first. And that sustainability in the league is very, very rare, especially nowadays. Like you at least need some size. Um, you can't have two undersized guards and expect, yeah. to, you know, but I was truly, truly always hated it. And then when this happened, I was stunned. I was just like, they, they actually did it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Like we, we all kind of knew it was coming, but to your point, I would get the question a lot like, well, can, can Dame and CJ win together? And I always thought the answer was yes, but you had to put the right wings around those guys. You had to get three and D guys who were long, who had length, who could who could lock up, you know, any position one through four and hit threes and all that stuff. And you know, those guys are hard to come by, right? There there aren't too many of those type of guys. And when you're in salary cap hell and you're paying three guards big money and you're going to have to pay Anthony Simons. 
there's no other way to get those guys, right? You're not going to be able to get that six, seven dude who can, you know, D up somebody on the perimeter and then hit a big three or take it to the rim and that kind of stuff. And those are the types of players that I think Dame and CJ, when they're on the court together, needed to really get to that next level, right? Like they get to the Western Conference Finals and they had huge leads. They had 17 point leads in three of the four games against Golden State, but they lost all four of those games, right? So it's like, okay, they got to the Western Conference Finals, but were they good enough to beat the Warriors? No. If they got to the NBA Finals, would they have been good enough to beat you know, Toronto that year? No, probably not. So if the goal is to win a championship and you've got to put those other players around Damon CJ together, it just it it was, you know, mathematically impossible to do. So they had to do something. For from my experience watching the Blazers in my lifetime, I have a, a favorite player. You know, when you played five years for your organization, um, and it was short, it was like a setback due to injuries, but I'm a big Brandon Roy fan. And I wanted to ask you, do you have like in your 18 year you know, career covering the Blazers, do you have a favorite team and or a favorite moment that they had? Because I that comeback win that they had against Dallas that year, um, I still dream about it. <laughs> you know, as a as a pure yeah. basketball fan, I just, you know, Brandon Roy was my guy. Yeah, Brandon Roy was awesome, man. There was a reason why his his nickname was the natural. And he, he had a short career, but in the time that I've been in Portland, almost 20 years, like he is one of the most beloved players. And th- there was a really dark time in the Blazers like history. Right. So you know, they went to the playoffs 20 plus straight years and then they trade Rasheed Wallace. They trade a bunch of guys and they start over and they're bad. I mean, they are they are real bad. 2005, 2006 ish. And then the draft where they go get Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge. That was kind of what people view as what brought the Blazers out of the Jailblazers era and what brought them out of these dark times. And, you know, between Roy and Aldridge and when they drafted Odin, I mean, that was that was supposed to be the big three. That was supposed to be a, a, a team that, you know, like the Thunder ended up being for a couple of years before they broke it up. That's what the expectations were for the Blazers, those guys. And it just it never happened because Odin played 82 games and, and Roy couldn't stay healthy. Um, but people love Brandon Roy. I mean, most fans, if you ask most fans, they want his number retired. Nobody's worn number seven since he left because that's how much he is revered in Portland. And that game against Dallas in the playoffs where they're just you know dead in the water and he brings them back uh, in the fourth quarter. It was one of the most incredible things that I've ever seen. And for me personally, you know, it's it's different for me because you know, being a member of the media and then now working for the team for the last four years. My favorite moment was that four overtime game against the Nuggets in the playoffs. That game three at home, uh, they split the first two games in Denver and then come back home. And that game, it was just back and forth and back and forth. And there were so many times, you know, at the end of each of the overtimes, you thought, okay, this team is dead or the Blazers are going to win the game or the Nuggets are going to win the game. Uh, and at the end of the third overtime, the Blazers were done and there was a steal and they got a shot. And then CJ comes back and hits a big one. Uh, Maurice Harkless, you know, got hurt in that game. And then Rodney Hood and Zach Collins come in and they were awesome. And just everything about that game, every time you thought it was going to end, it didn't. And it just kept going and going and going. My voice was shot by the end of that game. So, you know, I don't know if there's ever going to be another game like that in the NBA, but the, the four overtime playoff win over Denver, in in 2019 that's that's my best memory is as someone who's covered the blazers and worked for the team 
That's wild. You mentioned some names in there, though. And I feel like it's indicative of the Blazers' luck over the past, let's just say, a little over a decade, right? The Greg Odins of the world, Zach Collins, um, and the list goes on Brandon Royce, where the Blazers have all of this potential and talent, and guys just can't stay healthy, right? It's almost as if, like, man, y'all curse or something? Like, it's wild. Um, but I feel like one of those kind of glimmers and, and you know, uh, roses coming out of the concrete for the Blazers over the past couple of seasons has been Anthony Simons. Um, as you've been watching, you know, an employee of the team, did you foresee him blossoming the way he has, particularly this season? Yes, but only because that's what everybody's been telling us, right? So a couple of years ago, after when, when Anthony Simons was drafted, it was funny. I was looking back through my draft notes from the year he got drafted. I, I had a, a personal do not draft list because at, for me, I, was, I wanted the Blazers to draft somebody who could step in and, and help right away, right? Because that's where the timeline was headed. Anthony Simons was not that guy. So Anthony was on my kind of do not draft list and it had nothing to do with what his talent could be. I just thought, because he hadn't played in college, that he was a project and it was going to take too long. It, he's in year four, right? And at the time, year four is not what you, at least from a fan's perspective, not what you wanted. But it's, it's, he's turned out to be incredible. And after after his rookie year, uh, the general manager at the time, Neil Olshay, said that Anthony Simons is the most talented player on the roster, period. And that roster had Damian Lillard and cj mccollum and that's what he told us he said ant has the most raw talent of anybody on this roster and we hadn't seen it and then the following year he really wasn't getting much run and gary trent jr who is a second round pick the same year he was getting some run and he was lighting it up and he was awesome and you know it when there were a bunch of injuries a couple of years ago and he starts playing a lot and then getting into the bubble and he just kind of blew up and last year had a great start. I think a lot of people have forgotten about Anthony Simons because they were both guards drafted in the same year. And then last year down the stretch, he started getting more playing time. And it, the, the kind of narrative was that if this team is going to get to that next level, Anthony has to be that guy. He has to. And with the injury to Dame and then trading CJ, now he is, he started and he's putting up incredible numbers. You look at the last three games, 29, 30, and 31. Uh, you had seven threes last night in the win over the Bucks. He's just a, he's mature. Sometimes people forget that he's 22 years old. He's still a young dude. And when he would get out there early in his career, especially if he was on the floor with Dame and or CJ, you know, he, the, the respect that he had for those guys also held him back. Because the respect that he had for them, he deferred to them because it was their team. And the difference between Anthony last year, two years ago, three years ago, and Anthony now is it's kind of his team, especially with Lillard out probably for the rest of the year. And he's playing like it. He's, he's, he's an efficient shooter. He's taking a lot of shots, but he's efficient. Right, he can get to the rim. He's creative around the basket. We all know how athletic he is. You know, in the slam dunk contest, and the things that he does on the floor, his, his athleticism definitely not questioned. But the difference is a confidence in him, and I think Chauncey Billups helped out with that a lot. 
right? Because, you know, Mr. Big Shot comes in, a guy who's, you know, renowned for being an incredible player and a, a physical, gritty guy who won championships in a finals MVP. Um, it's just a, a different level of respect that he just naturally brings with him. And the players are buying in. And he's pushing Simons on the defensive end. And, you know, he, he said to Ant, he said this publicly a few weeks ago, that he told Ant that, you know, you don't want to be that guy who gets blown by, uh, you know, night after night on the defensive end who offenses are game planning at the, we can attack this guy, we can attack this guy. And we're starting to see little by little his defense get better and his defense improve. And he's not a two-way player right now. He's getting better on the defensive end. But his command of the offense and his ability to take over and do it confidently, like I don't think there's a shot he takes on the floor that he's not confident in. And he's not deferring to anybody anymore. And that's, that's where I see him really like, you know, again, he's, he's 22. Dame's going to be 32 in July. At some point, this is going to be Ant's team, and he's going to be the superstar on this team. I can't wait to see it. Uh, Hear me both. Listen, I, um, you know, I got to do my homework before we bring people on this program, right? And uh, I, I saw a comment or something you retweeted last week um, regarding some comments made by one Hall of Famer, James Worthy. Yeah. Um, going back to the 105-107, I'm sorry, 107-105 victory you guys had over the Lakers. And James Worthy says something along the lines of called the Blazers a YMCA squad, essentially. Yeah. What were your thoughts when you heard that? Look, I, I respect James Worthy, man. I, when I was growing up, you know, late 80s, James Worthy, Magic Johnson, I mean, those Lakers teams, Showtime, that was, I mean, that was the peak, man. You know, those teams were, were unbelievable. And someone who grew up a Knicks fan, you know, I hated anybody that wasn't the Knicks. Uh, I hated Michael Jordan, you know, as, as a Knicks, because he, he killed us in the playoffs every year. Now, I mean, I, I wear nothing but Jordans and my three-year-old son is wearing Jordan gear and like he, he watches Space Jam. He doesn't call it Space Jam. He says, I want to watch Michael Jordan. You know, he's three and a half and he, he loves it. Not the new one with LeBron, the original Space Jam. He loves yeah. it. He says, I want to watch Michael Jordan. And that's coming from someone who grew up hating Michael Jordan because he, he killed the Knicks every year. But that's how I felt about, you know, everybody. I felt that way about the Pistons. I felt that way. Well, except for, you know, the, the mid-90s magic, right? Some, you know, 14 years old, 13 years old. And if you didn't like those Shaq and Penny teams, you weren't cool, man. And I had a Penny Hardaway jersey, you know, and all that stuff. And I loved that team. But they also never played the Knicks in the playoffs. And I know I'm getting off on a tangent here. Uh, but No, you know, you're good. We love this. Anybody who knows me knows that Reggie Miller is like my arch nemesis as, as a fan, right? And I still haven't met him yet. My, my radio partner, Michael Holton, is a UCLA guy. He knows Reggie. He keeps trying to get me to introduce, introduce me to Reggie. And it'll happen one of these days. But anyway, the, the point is, is that James Worthy is an all-time great. Without James Worthy, those teams in, of the Lakers weren't what they were. Yes, they had Kareem and they had you know, Magic Johnson and all these other guys. But individually, all of those guys brought something important. And, and James Worthy is one of the guys I'll respect on the court as much as anybody else. And that's why it was so frustrating to me that he didn't have respect for other NBA players. Right, the Lakers are at a low point. With can you, can you say that one a, more time? Can you say that one more time? The Lakers are at an incredible low point. 
Thank you. And Thank there you. is nothing more in Rip City that we enjoy more than beating the Lakers. Okay. Blazers fans hate the Lakers. And when we won the game the other night, and there was a ton of purple and gold in the building. And when they started heading to the exits late, it was it was a beautiful thing. We love it. Uh, so to hear James Worthy come out afterwards and he says, yeah, they're NBA players, but they're like a Y it's like the Lakers just lost to a YMCA pickup team. It's like, come on, man. I know there are some guys that haven't had a ton of run in the league, but Anthony Simons is still out there. Yusuf Nurkic is still out there. Justice Winslow is still out there. And then yeah, Kelgen Blevins hasn't played a whole lot. Greg Brown, the third hasn't played a whole lot, but Everybody in the NBA at some point was a guy who hadn't played a lot. So to hear that coming from a legend like James Worthy, just almost spitting in the face of these guys that are working their asses off every night to make it into the league and, and find their way into the league. I just, I thought it was really disrespectful. Totally feel that. I totally feel that. Um, <laughs> Bari, yeah, I saw that you wanted to say something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no problem. I'm enjoying just... just any Lakers slander. I'm, I'm gonna be real with you. I'm enjoying it as a Celtics fan. <laughs> it's fun. It's honestly fun. So I just had a, a double-ended question. I know in late yeah. June you guys hired your new head coach in Chauncey Billups. Um, I'm a huge fan of Chauncey as a player, and so far as a coach, I've been, you know, I've been a fan of him just overall. And one thing he made it known early is how much he would be depending on Yusuf Nurkic this season and and his, I guess, expanded role. And it may have taken a little while, in my opinion, for that to come to fruition. But I think as of 2022 beginning, as of January leading up to now, he's been on a tear. Monster double-doubles in um, 58 games this season. I think he has 30 double-doubles. I just yep. wanted to know, like, how do you feel about, like, Nurkic, you know, in this new role, especially leading up to a contract year, as you mentioned, and just of Coach Billups in general? I'll, st I'll start with Coach Billups. Um, you know, right away, Coach Billups was just the guy who acted like he wanted to be here, right? And yeah, sure, it's easy. It's his first head coaching job. He wants to do, you know, right. He wants to be a great coach, but it was genuine. And he's he's been a cool dude since since day one. Um, he's always, you know, cause he's been in the media too. You know, he did games for ESPN and things like that. And he, he gets it. He gets, you know, where us as broadcasters on radio and then TV broadcasters are coming from. And he has been really, really cool to deal with. And that's, that's awesome. And it's taken him a little bit to find his footing as a coach. And he's talked about that. He's talked about how, you know, with rotations early in the year, he was kind of looking at a sheet of paper and how that was going. And he hadn't gotten a feel for it. Now he is. And, I think he's come a long way as a coach and I, I love it. I, I think him with this team, they're, they're evolving together. And it's, it's been great to see with Nurk. It's funny because you talk about, okay, the start of 2022. Well, Dame played his last game on December 31st. So when you have Damian Lillard out there and when it was Dame and CJ, Nurk's not going to be the number one option. He's not going to be the number two option. And sometimes when Norman Powell was out there or you know, whoever, He's not going to be the number three option because a lot of those guys aren't out there. He's had to be more of an option. He's had to be a primary offensive player and they're, they're getting the ball to him early. They're establishing him early. There've been some games where he'll take three, four shots in the first couple of minutes and then not take another one for the rest of the first half. And it's because they're establishing him in the paint early to get that inside out game going. 
And that's not what the Blazers used to be. There used to be a lot of ISO ball. There wasn't, uh, you know, they were you know, near, near the bottom of the league in assists the last couple of years. And a lot of that was because Dame and CJ were such good on the ball players that you didn't have to move the ball around a ton. I mean, they were number two in the NBA offensively last year and were dead last in assists because of what their offense was and the way they could do things. They can't do it that way anymore, especially with, you know, Dame out and CJ gone. So to establish Nurk in the paint and get him touches, he has evolved. And the one thing that, that Chauncey's talked about a lot is, is Nurk's patience because he wasn't getting a ton of touches before and he would rush and he would miss a lot of easy shots. He would miss shots at the rim. He wasn't aggressive with dunks. He would do these little kind of flip shots that would look awkward and everybody would yell at their TV, just go up strong, just go to the rim. And he wasn't doing it. Now he is. And I think it's partly because of the way that Chauncey Billups has empowered him. And I think it's partly the style of play where they're playing more inside out, uh, not just to get Nurk going, but to create open shots and create open corner threes and more ball movement. And then I, I think it's also him just with his confidence, um, knowing that, hey, I'm going to get the ball. I don't need to rush. I, don't, I can be patient because even if I miss this shot, I'm going to get the ball again. So I think all of those things combined, like that's, that's led to Nurk having a, a monster couple of months here. I always tell people, right, folks forget, at one point, Nurk and Jokic were on the same team together in, in Denver. Like, let's not sleep on, on Nurk. I always felt like he was a crucial, crucial piece for you guys. And it shows yeah. in the moments where right, he's gone down injured and been out for extended periods of time. Um, he's very, in some ways, very similar to Joker, um, but I think definitely more of a traditional big. Um, yeah. We have, I think, a few moments left. I definitely got to get this question out. Side note, I'm going off a tangent real quick. Abe, don't encourage this man with the Lakers slander, okay? Um, Travis, if you want to continue Lakers no, slander. No, 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 no. If you want don't to do that. You know, don't do when that. You know I can what? kick him out a, so it can be me and you and we can just listen, trash the don't, Lakers don't do for that. another Don't do that. Don't, don't even do that, Mr. Mr. Leprechaun's over there. Uh, who's currently on an eight game beat LA? And, Sorry, go ahead. And, wow. and I'll eating, be honest. I'll be honest. Eating, the day, who the eating? day, the day I um I began to hate the Blazers, and I, I have admiration for them now. Um, my if I ever was to leave California, I would move to the PNW. Um, we you know one of our our contributors here on Full Court Press, Riley. Um, he's a Seattle guy, lives there right now. We are campaigning with him. To have a team brought back to Seattle. Here's looking at you, Sacramento Kings. We need Kings. That. We need Seattle. Yes, we do. Kings can leave this state and they can go to Seattle for all I care. Um, but I have to ask this. As a Blazers fan, who, well, an employee as well, what is your all-time starting five for the Blazers? Man, that's tough. Because you got to have Clyde in there. Absolutely. Okay? There's no question. You got to have Bill Walton in there. Now I'm, I'm assuming, you know, we're just taking players at their peak, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll so, take them at their peak. All right. Uh, I'd go Dana point guard, Bill Walton at center, Brandon Roy at two guard. That's where things get tough. Ooh, I like that so far. Yeah. Uh, Clyde Drexler would have to slide down to the three. And then I'm just thinking there's there so many good power forward. And you'll obviously Rasheed Wallace and, you know, Buck Williams. Uh, how do you leave Terry Porter and, and uh, Jerome Kersey off? Um, Bonzi Wells. Bonzi Wells. Yeah. 
But if if you've got Dame, you've got Brandon Roy, Clyde Drexler, Bill Walton, um, I never saw him play, but Maurice Lucas. I don't know how familiar you guys are with with Maurice I'm, Lucas. No, I'm familiar. Maurice Lucas was Bill Walton's favorite teammate. So much to the fact that he named his son Luke after Maurice Lucas. And those guys were tight. I mean, he was he was the enforcer. I mean, he was as physical as the guys that there's ever been. And of, of the guys that I never saw play, Maurice Lucas is the one guy that I wish I got to see play. And then he went, before he passed away, uh, he was a coach with the team for a while. He was a big man coach. And he was the nicest, most gentle enforcer that you could possibly ever meet. I mean, he was just an incredible human being. I've gotten to know his son, David, a little bit. He runs the Maurice Lucas Foundation. Um, and I would probably go Maurice Lucas just because of the stories and the things that I've, I've seen, but I never saw him play. And that's, that's the hard part. It's like we have all these conversations of, you know, the, the whole Michael Jordan LeBron thing, right? Like I'm always going to go Jordan one. I'm not even going LeBron two. I'm going Kobe two and LeBron three. Say that again and for the people. <laughs> MJ one, Kobe two, LeBron three. And it's not for, I mean, Kobe, just Kobe, man. I, I saw that guy so many times just kill the Blazers. There was one game, the first year I was covering the team, late fourth quarter, I I, I moved up to the front row from where we were sitting in our media seats and he hits a step back three to force overtime. Just one of those, like totally killed the, the, the fan vibe. And then he, in double overtime, he hits another three to win the game. And I'm like 15 feet away watching him. And it's just like, how, how did he do, how did he do that? LeBron's incredible. And like, we're, we're, we're still talking about like the best of the best of the best. And I don't think it's an insult at all to say, LeBron's better than MJ or MJ's better than LeBron. A lot of it comes down to a generational thing, but you know, nobody under 30 remembers watching MJ play. I didn't see Kareem. I didn't see Bill Russell. I didn't see Wilt Chamberlain, but how can you not say that those guys are, you know, the greatest of all time. You can make a case for, for every single one of them. So I would put Maurice Lucas on that list, but if we're talking about just guys that, that I've seen in my time covering the Blazers, and I'll put Clyde Drexler on there because I watched him play as a kid, even though I wasn't covering the team. But I'd go Dame, Roy, Drexler, Rasheed Wallace, and Arvita Sabonis. And Arvita Sabonis, I tell people, folks don't realize, Arvita Sabonis, if he had come to the league five years sooner, folks would have really seen some stuff. Because we got old Arvitas, and he was still, I mean, making Shaq look like a, a, a baby giraffe. The, yeah. when uh when the Lakers would play the Blazers so I I wish we gotten prime Arvidas here in the United States yeah well, Blazer sure. fans say that all the time man they love Sabonis yeah he, he good stuff I also have to ask this question then Mr. I was born in New York and grew up a Knicks fan who is your all-time Knicks starting five man that's tough because Ewing's my guy right like I Ewing was my guy growing up I I was 13 years old when he missed the shot in 95 against uh, Indiana. And if you've seen that 30 for 30, when he talks about, you know, going up for a dunk and then changing it the last minute finger roll and missing that shot, I cried. And the first time that I stepped onto the Madison Square Garden floor, I walked over to that spot. I'm like, 
all right, this is, this is where that happened, huh? You know, and you know, that, that was my team. So, I mean, you gotta go, you gotta go Clyde. Uh, you know, why, why don't I do this? I'm going to put it in context again of the players that I watch because That's fair. It's, yeah, that's it, fair. it's, it's hard. Like I said, to, you know, I'd love to put Willis Reed on there. I've, I've yeah. met him one time. I've, I've seen this, this, the videos, I've heard the stories, but I never got to see him play. So you got to go Patrick Ewing. Um, yeah, that's, that's real tough because I'm, I'm just going through my brain of all these guys like Derek Harper or John Starks. Oh, where, where are you going there? Right. I like, personally go J- Starks. I, I, I love yeah. John. I did. Yeah. Like the, the mid 90s teams, those were my teams. So I'm thinking, yeah, probably, you know, Starks, Mellow, Ewing. This was was Bernard King before your time? Yeah, he was a little before my yeah. time. Okay. Yeah, that's why I didn't bring him yeah. up. I knew it was before his time. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a guy that I know in Portland who runs a memorabilia shop, and he uh, he knows Bernard King, and he's told me some stories about that dude. And I wish I got to <laughs> see him play. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, that's that's real tough. I was a big Allen Houston fan. Yeah, I'd say Allen Houston. He, yeah. So. Yeah. Some people might think that's a little strange to put Allen Houston on there. And again, we're just talking about the last 30 years or so. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd probably go Starks, Houston, Ewing, Oakley, and Mello. Okay. Ain't even mad at that. Although, and I know you mentioned this earlier, you have this this mortal hatred for Reggie Miller, or at some point you did. Yeah. I know, I, I from the stories I've heard, Reggie's free agency season, right? He was in talks with the Knicks. Like, what? can you imagine Reggie on the Knicks? And instead, they get Allen Houston. Look, Allen Houston ended up being a great player for them. Uh, and then he couldn't stay healthy. But Reggie on the Knicks, man, I don't, I don't know that I can, I don't know that I can handle that. I mean, I'm also a Yankees fan too. So when you know, Wade Boggs and Roger Clemens come over from the Red Sox to the Yankees. It's like, okay, you're our guys now. Forget what you did in Boston. You're, yeah. you're our guy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if he, I mean, if he was a Nick, yeah, I, I, w- I probably would have loved Reggie. And there, there are a lot of guys, that, like, when they're on another team, and you can't stand that guy. Like, Draymond Green. Guy can't stand Draymond Green. But if he comes to the Blazers, I wouldn't mind seeing him in a Blazers jersey. Dylan Brooks, same thing. He's, he's an Oregon guy. I can't stand him. But if he was a trailblazer, I would love that guy. There, there are a number of players like that. Like when we traded for Joe Ingles last week, a lot of Blazers fans were like, Joe Ingles, God, I hate that guy. But no, he's on our team now. Now we love that guy. Um, there, there are so many players like that. That, that I mean, it's, it's just because that's, that's what they do, right? A lot, of, you know, a lot of fans don't like Yusuf Nurkic, but he's our guy. We, we love Nurk. So if Reggie was a Nick, I probably would have bought a Reggie Miller jersey uh probably would have shaved my head uh, you know i probably i probably would have been all about reggie miller if he was in it that's how i feel about lebron for the record i uh yeah lebron being a laker is forever gonna be weird to me but yeah the, 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 the one thing about lebron like you, you watch him on tv and he's he's lebron and then you see him in person and my first year doing this on uh, visiting radio was still courtside and so i'm sitting courtside trying to call blazers lakers in like the first month that i'm doing this 
And his speed and size and athleticism, you wonder looking at him how anybody ever stops him. I mean, it, it, he, he's a freak of nature with his size and still able to do it 19 years into the league. And his, he's so fast and so quick. Like he's out on the wing and next thing you know, he's, he, he's getting a layup or he's getting a dunk. And when he when he gets ahead of steam, just get the hell out of the way, man. I don't know how anybody stops him. I entirely feel that. I would ask you about the Celtics, but you know, I, I, at that point, I'd be seen as biased. That's a waste of airtime at that point. If you ask him about the <laughs> Celtics, we, we we don't want to waste your time like that, Travis. I'm sorry that he even tried to suggest that, but oh, okay, you know, Mister Mister Lakers, you know, can now, you well, which which way are we going here with the Celtics? Are we talking like late '80s Celtics? Or are we talking the the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce? Well, Ray Abe Allen was Celtics? born. Abe was born in the 2000s, so he don't even that, know anything what? about any of those Celtics teams. You know, Abe is oh Abe is still young. Abe, Abe's greatest Celtic of all time is Jason Tatum. I know Tatum. I'm he, young, but I'm not I, that young. I asked him about Larry Bird the other day, and he was like, <laughs> no, "Who's no, that? Is that a Sesame Street?" Character? The crazy thing is, is that this is all getting cut out the official episode, so you know you can continue all you want. It's getting cut out regardless. But um, yeah, I just had this memory of the Celtics when I was a kid losing to the uh, the Hornets in wow, the first not, round. Not they were losing. still pretty new with uh, Muggsy Bogues and Larry, Larry Johnson. Johnson. I love Larry Grandma Johnson. Ma. I, I loved Larry Johnson. The memory uh, he shares is of the Celtics losing. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I mean, look, as a guy who grew up in New York, like it's in my blood to hate yeah. everything out of Boston. I, understand. I like this guy. Um, I have a question then. So, yeah. <laughs> so I grew up a Knicks supporter also. I'm from Brooklyn, born and raised. And um, when we got a team in Brooklyn, I, I switched. I, I became a Brooklyn Nets diehard fan. I'm, that's what yeah. I intend on st- sticking with. But how do you feel about, I guess, some of the Nets' recent, you know, movements with um, the Ben Simmons-Harden fiasco, for example? Like, that's been developing. Yeah. <laughs> As a basketball fan, I'm really disappointed that we didn't get to see James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant play together much. Like just that as a as a fan of the game, those three together would have been awesome to see. Now, now we're never gonna see it. Harden obviously wanted out. Um Kevin Durant, I mean, in my opinion, he's he's the best player in the game right now. Um and I think you put him with anybody and they're gonna have a chance. I just don't know. You know what? What Ben Simmons is going to be on that team because he's a guy who needs to have the ball in his hands, right? And we talked about that a lot when there were all the rumors about the Blazers wanting to trade for him. That you know, if if Dame's the guy who needs the ball in his hands, and you bring in a dude who's six ten, who plays point, but he's also you know a four. How do you how do you work that right? If if he you don't want to like like if you have a Ferrari. You know, you don't want to put a restrictor plate on it and limit how fast the, the Ferrari can go. I don't know anything about right. NASCAR, so I'm just guessing if that <laughs> analogy is correct. But, you, you, you know, if, if you've if you got a Ferrari, you want to make sure that you, you let that thing go. You get out on the open road, you know, an open track somewhere and just let it go. If Ben Simmons is not playing point and he's not – he doesn't have the ball in, the, in his hands, you're taking away, like, one of the, the most impressive things about his game because he's such an incredible playmaker. Like, he's not brought in to be a shot maker. He's brought in to get rebounds, play the best defense in the NBA, and be a playmaker. So Kyrie Irving is also a guy who needs the ball in his hands. Like, when, when Kyrie and Harden were on the floor together, 
you know, you had to, somebody had to play the two. And that's not who Kyrie is. So that, that's what the concern that I have for that situation is when Kyrie and Ben Simmons are on the floor together, who's, who's going to have the ball in their hands? Who's going to be the playmaker? Um, Kyrie also haven't, hasn't played a whole lot this year. Yeah. So there's that whole rest versus rust thing. Ben Simmons hasn't played in a long, long time. So how long is it going to take for him to get into game shape? If they're healthy and you have those three guys, uh, that's, that's pretty good. They also need to get Joe Harris back, right? Uh, I miss my guy, Joe. He is a lethal three-point shooter. That's why, like, you, you look at the, the teams that, that had, you know, with, with Miami, when they had LeBron and D. Wade and Chris Bosh, like, role play was really important. Mike, Mike Miller, the killer. Really, yeah, exactly. He was really important on that team. Ray Allen, at the end of his career, you know, they don't win. They don't beat San Antonio without Ray Allen. And I'm not just talking about the three at, at, at the end of game six. Like, he was so important for that, that team, even though he was a role player by that mm-hmm. point. That's what concerns me most about Brooklyn. Like, obviously, their defense has, has really struggled the last couple of years. You bring in Ben Simmons, that's going to change overnight. But do they have enough depth where if they have to rotate to an open shooter because all the defensive you know, attention is on those three guys, do they have somebody else who can knock down a shot? Joe Harris can. He's healthy. But I don't know that they have enough of those other guys. Right. Seth right now. Oh, yeah. Seth had a yeah, great first game. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we, we missed Seth in Portland. As uh, we get ready to wrap up, I do have, well, one of two things. But the first one, what has been, as just a fan of the game, um, what has been your favorite trade move made that uh, this season so far? Man, favorite trade move so far. Um, I really want to see what Harden and Embiid can do together. You know, those, those guys together, I mean, Harden takes a lot of crap. Right, that you know he he can't play with other guys and he's a ball hog. Well, I I've seen James Harden with like three guys draped on him make ridiculous shots that he has no business making, and getting to the rim and his creativity, like part of the reason why I think James Harden has never had the the level of success in the playoffs is because there was that team Golden State that's pretty good, you know. And it's not exactly his fault. Like, you, you look at some of those teams, and this is one of my excuses for the Knicks growing up. Well, they had to go up against Michael Jordan every year. And then they finally get to the finals, and they've got Hakeem Olajuwon, who played, you know, maybe the best season of center of anybody ever in 93-94. So, you know, when, when you've got Michael Jordan and those Bulls teams, uh, and then, you know, the, the Shaq and Penny upcoming Magic teams, it's hard to get through that. You know, Carl Malone probably would have won a title if he didn't have to go through Michael Jordan twice. And they almost did. So the, the Warriors, like the, the Chris Paul, James Harden, Rockets team, they would have beaten Golden State, I believe, if Chris Paul was healthy for game seven. And we're probably looking at a ring for Houston if Chris Paul is healthy in that game, but, but he wasn't. So you had the, one of the most impressive dynasties of all time it, with the Warriors sitting right there. And I think James Harden is an unfortunate scapegoat out of all of that. Yeah, he's a ball hog, but he also can distribute the ball. He also can make plays. And when has he really had a, a big-time big man that he can get the ball to, right? He never really had that guy. So that pairing of those two guys together in Philadelphia with some of the other young guys, with Tyrese Maxey, 
with Matisse Thibel. Uh, to me, that as much as, you know, again, growing up, I'm a very spiteful sports fan, by the way. Like, growing up, like, if there's a team or a player I don't like, uh, I'm, there, there's not much that's going to get me to root for them. But Philly's a team I'm going to go out of my way to watch because I want to see Harden and Embiid together and see what they can do. That's fair. So as we uh, head on out, um, the last words, do you have any more Lakers slander you want to get off? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm content. Hey, I, I did have a Lakers jersey when I was a kid. You burned it, I huh? did. No, 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 no. This was, shoot, you I want to say around, it 1994, as a 1994, who was it? It was Nick Van Exel. Hey, I love Nick, Nick Van the Exel. quick. Let's I go. Nick Van Exel Lakers jersey. I still have it somewhere at my parents' house. Let's go. It's probably hey, you collecting dust. Have you ever had a Celtics jersey? Yes. I I've never one. owned a Celtics jersey. Oh, him. Yeah, I'm never. sure you oh, have one. Oh, me or him? So I, I've, I've owned, a, as a kid, you know, as a kid in the 90s, right, I, I had a million jerseys, right? I had, obviously, a bunch of Knicks jerseys, but I had a Joe Smith Warriors jersey. I loved Chris Weber. That was my guy. I had a Chris Weber Warriors jersey. Uh, I had a Glenn Robinson Bucks jersey, Nick Van Exel Lakers, Penny Hardaway. I had all these jerseys. I never would wear a Bulls or a Celtics jersey. Can't get <laughs> like a real New Yorker. <laughs> All right. Love it. Travis, where can the people find you on the interwebs? True. Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at Travis Demers, D-E-M-E-R-S, uh, Instagram too. Although I don't, I pretty much just post pictures on Instagram of either my kids or, you know, uh, NBA. Actually, so there is a lot of NBA stuff I post on there too. Uh, and then my radio show, weekdays 3 to 6 uh, on iHeartRadio and Rip City Radio. Uh, you can find that. I do a show with Chad doing. And then obviously uh, Trailblazers games on the radio every night. You can find me there. But, and on that note, Full Core Press, we're about to head out. Thank you for tuning into an all-new episode. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Look forward to our trade deadline episode this Friday. Travis, thank you again. Jordan Robinson, thank you for linking us. May you all know happiness, peace, love, prosperity in this new year. And uh, we're going to head out. By the way, Trailblazers over Lakers all day, every day. Beat LA. Oh, oh, oh.